Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Saki. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. And uh, joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline from oilpressure.com, it is George Phillips. George, welcome to the show, sir. Thanks, Steve. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, and uh, certainly a strange weekend last week, wasn't it, with the Indy, Indianapolis 500 not only being held in August, but also uh, being held without fans. And uh, we were talking a little bit in the first segment on just how it felt kind of odd, but not only that, but you know they had an extended pre-race show, and maybe they could have maybe tightened up t- tighten up the show a bit and then maybe with that maybe they could have done more at the end of the race uh and done things differently but then again you know i i agree i when when that accident happened i said the race was over uh to we had a little viewing party here at my house and uh turned out i was right i was just kind of interested to get your uh, feelings on on not only the the finish and and, and the red flag or should there have been a red flag but also on just a, the the uniqueness i guess of the event well, <clears throat> excuse me, to me, the most unique thing was that I was sitting on my couch at home watching it instead of actually being there because, like, like many people, I had a pretty good streak going, some, certainly nothing like everyone else. But um, once the race got going, it didn't seem that unusual to not see fans in the stands. Um, I think the banners there helped. Um, so, so I wasn't as taken aback by that as I was just the fact that I was not there. But, you know, I, we learned about it on August 4th, and once I got about a day to get over it, I got over it, and, you know, I just knew 
what it was going to be like. So getting to the end of the race, I know you and I are both traditionalists, and I think you probably know where I stand, and that's with you. I don't think there was uh, any any reason for a red flag, um, uh, and certainly not in this instance. Um, it's, it's been very well documented. They said they were probably looking at an hour and a half to as much as two hours to repair the attenuator. And, you know, the, regardless of how tight the NBC window was, they weren't going to go another hour and a half to two hours. Um, and everybody keeps talking about it was going to be a full race shootout. No, it wasn't because, um, even if they got the cars on pit road immediately, the, uh, you know, the, these engines take a little bit to warm up. The tires had to warm back up. So you're probably looking at two to three laps uh, under yellow getting the race going again, and then you're looking at a one-lap shootout. And that's, um, I guess, in NASCAR they love that, uh, to see cars banging around at the end. In IndyCar, that's a recipe for disaster, and I just I, – I, I saw no – it never even entered my mind that it would be a red flag until Paul Tracy said something about it. Um, and uh, I was thinking, no, it won't, and sure enough, it wasn't. Yeah, I just don't think there was enough time. And as you said, you know, maybe a couple laps earlier, you know, they they did the red flag when Townsend Bell hit the hit the wall a few years ago, but I think they had eight laps to go. And it's interesting to there. I don't think the top four changed when they when they ran them again. No, so. and, and and even in, even when that happened, I was not a fan. Uh, because the only reason they did that was, well, I take that back. There, there was a legitimate reason to red flag it, uh, and that's because I think the safer barrier was damaged. Right. Um, that that is that is a legitimate reason. Um, in my mind, there's only three reasons why a race a race should ever be red flagged, and that's due to inclement weather conditions, whether it's rain, fog, uh, whatnot. Um, or an injury, or God forbid, a mortality, or to repair safety equipment like the safer barrier and or the the catch fencing. Other than that, um, you know, for decades, the Indianapolis 500 finished under yellow in those situations and nobody complained. Suddenly now, when everybody wants a photo finish, uh, people are complaining about it, and I just, I, I think that, there, no one is entitled to have a race finish under the green. Yeah, I, I mentioned this, my, in the, but that's my so, opinion. Yeah, no, I, I, I and, and and I agree. I, I think there's, a, I, I'd like to see if they can red flag it to finish it under green. I, I think they should try to, but it's not going to work in every circumstance, you know. But it is entertainment, and you know the the. The viewing audience is, is changing, and you you have to change a bit to suit you know to, to suit them. Plus, you know, and, and the pressure is on IndyCar with NASCAR because a lot of the the fans that are watching Indy 500. A lot of them watch NASCAR, and they're like, well, how come they don't red flag it? So you can explain the reasoning why to, but a lot of them may not agree with it, and may not care to agree with it regardless. So it it is an interesting situation that happened, but uh, happy that that Sato won, Takuma Sato winning. And I brought this up too. I was kind of glad it was a repeat winner 
just because it would have been kind of a bummer to see a, a brand new winner in victory lane. Do you agree with that? I, I, I totally, <clears throat> totally agree with that. If say, um, you know, a veteran like Joseph Newgarden, if, if he had finally won his first race or, or Ed Carpenter had finally won his first race after so many years of trying and it was in front of nobody, uh, how empty a feeling would that be? Yeah. Yeah, certainly would have. Um, and then also, were you surprised at just the Penske, Team Penske being out, out to lunch, it seemed like? Well, you know, Team Penske is, except for, um, um, what, did they, did they sweep both races at Iowa? I think one was Pagano and one was New York. Right. Is that correct? I believe so. Yeah. Uh, except for Iowa, Team Penske's sort of been out to lunch all season. Um, I mean, they've had their moments, but they are certainly not the Team Penske of old. And I don't know if that's just a cycle. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mentioned this in one of my posts a few months ago, and everybody got all over me about it. But, um, you know, I've always said that Tim Sendrick is Roger Penske's secret weapon. Um, he's a great number two man, but... I just wonder, does the absence of Roger Penske there uh, at the pit stand overseeing everything, is that just, does that, did that make the slightest bit of difference just to make them on top of their game and now they're kind of falling back to a good team? Yeah, it's inter- that's an interesting uh, question. I wonder, uh, you know, and if it is, they're in big trouble because – He's not going to be doing that anymore, is he? Uh, this weekend no, we got Gateway. Uh, th- this yeah. weekend we got yeah. Gateway and uh, qualifying just finished up, and it's a uh, willpower uh, qualifying, and, and they're doing the same qualifying that they did in Iowa, which I love. I love this. Whoever came up with this deserves a raise. Uh, you want to explain I that to really... listeners, Jeff George? Yeah, um, basically it's still two lap qualifying, but the first lap. Since there's two races this weekend, one today and one tomorrow, uh, lap one of your qualifying attempt uh, determines your starting position for for race one, and then lap two determines it for race two tomorrow. And it's a it's very simple, but it's um, it it creates some interesting situations. Just like Zach Veach had just a slight bobble on his lap one qualifying and. You know, consequently, he's starting dead last uh, in race one. Yes, yeah, it's, it's so, interesting. Um, for those wondering, uh, for the top five for race one, we have uh, Will Power, Pat Ward on the front row, and then uh, not a surprise here with Scott Dixon continuing his strong run. Uh, Marcus Erickson and Takuma Sato uh, with the aforementioned Joseph Newgarden in uh, six for your first three rows for race number one later this afternoon at Gateway. Um, so a bit of a bounce back for, for Penske on the oval. For race two tomorrow, we got Takuma Sato on the pole with Joseph Newgarden on the outside of the front row. Uh, then we have uh, basically row one from the race today. It'll be row two tomorrow, and that's uh, Will Power and Paddle Award. And then uh, Jack Harvey uh, with the fifth spot, and then uh, Scott Dixon, uh, Scott Dixon uh, slipping down to sixth outside of row three for the race tomorrow. Uh, 
Gateway Raceway, uh, unique, a little bit of a unique track, but it's basically an oval uh, with, of course, uh, different uh, apexes in each corner uh, between the north and the south corners. Uh, any any uh, surprises you think we're going to see this weekend, or is it going to be a Dixon? Um, you know, I, I don't. I don't think it's going to be Scott Dixon. I think he. Um, I don't think he's going to hang it out. I mean, he's an upper professional. He's going to have a good showing. Um, but he's not going to do anything stupid because he does have, I'm not going to say he's going to coast, but, uh, he's, he's going to race smart this weekend. Uh, if it's there, he'll take it. If not, uh, he won't. Uh, that's my opinion, of course, but, uh, tell you who I would look out for is somebody who has, I think had a very good Indianapolis 500. He had the, probably the best 500 that nobody's talking about. And that's Jack Harvey. And, he very quietly today, he qualified seventh for today's race, and tomorrow he'll roll off fifth. And if you recall how bad he was at Texas, because um, other than Indian, I mean, that that was his first time at Texas, but this was also his first time, I think, at, um, I think it's his first time at Gateway. Um, but he has really picked up his oval game, and I think he is very quietly having a good season. Well, and, and he's such an interesting story, you know, a guy who who did so well in Indy Lights was looking was looking like uh, you know he's gonna make the next step, and then pretty much for almost two and a half years, you know, didn't race hardly anything, did a little IMSA racing if I recall, and I I remember I was at a, a softball charity uh, <laughs> charity game with him uh, a couple of years ago, spent the afternoon with him, and I'm I'm like. I really felt bad for him because, you know, here's this kid from England living in Indianapolis. He doesn't have a ride. There's no prospect for a ride. He's not independently wealthy. He doesn't have any sponsors that have been sponsoring him, you know, throughout his career that could, you know, maybe dig a little deeper. Give him I'm thinking, this guy's screwed. <laughs> you know, I really felt bad for him. And here he is hanging out with me and a couple friends at a charity softball game, you know, and then... Uh, <laughs> You know, they as they do the Indy 500 little uh, media uh, uh, thing on Thursday that George and I do along with everybody else where they set up all the drivers. And I mentioned that to him uh, last year. And he started to laugh. He goes, yeah, I remember that. I said, and I go, uh, Jack, you know, to be, to be honest, I really felt bad for you because, you know, I, I that has to be, you know, that, that was your lowest point of your career. And he kind of like, eh, it was kind of, you know, it wasn't looking good. So to see where he is today, I'm so happy. And, and, and it's interesting. Yeah. Like, like you're saying, he, he just seems to get a little bit better every weekend. And as well as that Michael Shank racing team, which I'm, I'm happy to see them finally going full, full game, you know, full, full time in the series because they've been, you know, part time for the last couple of years. So I'm glad that they were able to step up now this year. Uh, even though with not the best circumstances, of course, but yeah, and that's one of those kids. He's such a good guy, genuinely nice guy, approachable, everything else. And, and to see him, uh, starting to get some success in the IndyCar series certainly makes you feel good. Doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And I, I, he, he's certainly one of those that, um, uh, has certainly paid his dues and I'm glad to see that he is, he's rising up in the ranks. Although people, for the most part, still are not talking about him that much. No, no, but they will. They will start. And 
I've I've been noticing. Well, and he's he's you know he lives in the Indianapolis area, so he's got quite the following, you know, in Indianapolis. And you know, uh, one of the guys that supported him early on was uh, Pat Kennedy, who we lost uh, earlier this year. Was was uh, it was involved with the Speedway? His family's been involved with the Speedway for many many years, and he was a big supporter. I was kind of glad that he kind of remembered Pat with his uh, decal in the car at the 500 this year. So yeah. uh, we yeah. wish Jack Harvey the best of luck. Uh, who who do you like this weekend in the in the two races at Gateway, Jack? Well, uh, I um, uh, I picked the two that I picked for this weekend. Um, just in any order was uh, Joseph Newgarden, who's already won there before, and I picked <laughs> my other pick has not had a good weekend so far, and that's Graham Rahal. Um, he uh, he was I think he I don't have it in front of me right now, but I think he qualified 19th and 20th. I don't remember which race, but. It was it was not good, and it may have even been worse than that because that that's what they said on the broadcast at the time when he qualified. So, um, uh, Graham has not had a good weekend. So, uh, you gotta with Sato starting on pole. I don't think he's having the the same type of uh, you know. Paul Tracy mentioned this on the broadcast: the hangover uh, that most Indianapolis 500 winners have. Um, he's he is, um, of course, he with the pandemic and all, he hasn't been doing all the the running around like like uh, previous winners have. But he's, you know, starting on pole. And one thing that I think is interesting about Sato is that I think he's in, I think he's sixth in the points, but he's only about ten or eleven points away from about third in points. And if you recall, he. He missed the first race. He didn't start at Texas because he crashed in qualifying. Yep. So he has one one less race than everybody else, yet he's just a few points out of third place. That's interesting. Good point. That's why we have you on, George. You bring up good points like this. Thank you so much. Uh, for those we're talking with George Phillips on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, you want to you want to check out his stuff at uh, oilpressure.com. Good stuff. Uh, a lot of insightful stuff there on IndyCar racing on his website. George, we certainly appreciate you taking time out. And uh, are you ready for the Titan season to start? I am, and I'm I'm pretty confident they're they're going to have a season. Uh, they're not going to have fans at our first at our home opener that doesn't please me but uh i think we'll have plenty in october all right i'm looking forward to it i i, I know i'm getting these uh email notices to renew fantasy football leagues and set draft pick their draft uh nights and everything for and I, I'm, I'm not anywhere close to i haven't done any studying it's it's just kind of been on the back burner i haven't gave it much thought i'm thinking maybe i won't do any studying let's see if i do any worse than i usually have been doing the last couple of years so we'll see what happens normally <laughs> normally at this point of the year in late august i'm in the process of shifting from race mode over to football mode exactly. and right now mentally i'm still 100 percent race mode yeah yeah it, same here. So interesting, uh, interesting year it certainly has been. And uh, once again, thanks for timing out, to taking time out, George. We will chat again soon. I'm glad to do it. Thanks, Steve. All right, thank you. As George Phillips on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Has your passion outgrown your home? A Great Midwest Bank home renovation loan may give it the space it deserves. Visit GreatMidwestBank.com today. Simply local lending since 1935. When we come back, the pipe bomb returns. We're going to ask the question: What if? 
Earnhardt never returned to Richard Childress Racing next on the Final Inspection Show. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Final Inspection Show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Make sure you get out there not only this week, but next week for Labor Day Nationals for the throwback dragsters at Great Lakes Dragway. It's it's a must-see event. It's probably one of the biggest events of the year. And you get to see one of the Hall of Famers of drag racing, Arnie the Farmer Beswick. Uh, super great guy and uh, one of the most l- legendary names in drag racing. Once again, joining us, it is the Polish pipe bomb, Jeff Arlaski. And uh, we're going to be talking about, I teased this in, in the prior, on, um, I thought this was a kind of a cool deal they do. Jeff, uh, we were talking about it uh, earlier in the week. Uh, NASCAR Race Hub, they do a thing called the What If Wednesday with Adam Alexander. And they had Andy Petrie on there. And they did a thing on what if Dale Earnhardt didn't rejoin uh, Richard Childress Racing. And uh, for those who, you know, Dale Earnhardt wasn't an instant success in NASCAR, as we know, uh, bounced around for a few years as a part-timer. His full, first real full-time uh, was read with uh, car owner Rod, uh, Rod Osterlund, and um, he... Uh, won a championship with him. That's a yellow and blue number two car, which uh, the following year was bought, purchased uh, halfway through the season by uh, eccentric millionaire J.D. Stacy, who at one time probably sponsored 10 cars on the NASCAR circuit. And uh, him and Earnhardt did not get along. He wanted to get out. He went over to Richard Childress at the suggestion of Bill France Jr. Uh, and they, he spent a few races there. Then went to Bud Moore Racing. Bud Moore, the legendary Bud Moore and Ford, and yes, raced a Ford for two years, number 15, a Ford Thunderbird, which a lot of Earnhardt fans like to forget that, yes, Dale Earnhardt Sr. drove a Ford, uh, but then reunited with Richard Childress Racing for the 84 season with Wrangler moving Ricky Rudd over. Um, and Jeff, it's it's an interesting, his career is interesting, Um like I said, I, I was not an Earnhardt fan, especially when he took out Al Kalicki at Pocono early in his career, and I got to meet him when he drove the Slinger Nationals and was one of the coolest guys I ever met. But uh, did you see the thing on, uh, on on NASCAR Hub? Yeah, I saw it. And like you, I, I love that they do that. They intertwine the history of NASCAR so well. Uh, they, you know, make it, Make it current enough where it, uh, you know, the, the the current fan who, you know, maybe wasn't alive uh, when when senior met his untimely uh, demise and all that, and or maybe you know wasn't uh, wasn't a fan to to see him race his entire career, know everything about him except for the fact that he's synonymous with the number three and Chevy. And all that. So I think they do a great job of interworking the history with the story 
uh, you know, the question that they're trying to tell, they do a great job on that. Yeah, I thought they really did. And I thought it was pretty interesting because, uh, you know, back then there was a, it was a little different than it, it is now. And, you know, you had, you know, it was basically, uh, I don't know if they were on this fishing boat or what, but, you know, Childress is a safe, safe uh, self-made man. You know, basically came from anything, and his first start start was the was at a Talladega race back in '69, in which he drove his uh, Grand American car in that race, his Camaro. But uh, interesting guy, he came from nothing and uh, was able to build that team. And and there came to uh, you know everybody has forks in the road in their life, and and Childress had one, and Richard or uh, Bill France came to Junior and said, you know. Dale Earnhardt's, you know, then he was just Dale Earnhardt, uh, needs to be in a race car. And he's not happy where he's at. Why don't you put him in his race car and you step out? And that was probably the smartest thing that Richard Childress ever did. And they were able to build on that team. And uh, Earnhardt came back then a couple years later because the team wasn't ready yet. They were, And it wasn't like now where you just throw money at it. They slowly built up that team and started to bring in people and with Kurt Shelberding and whatnot. But uh, I thought Andy Petrie, uh, <laughs> I got to give him credit. Uh, Kurt Shelberding was the, 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 the chief mechanic, and this is the point I wanted to bring up in this. And they did not bring this up, and I understand why. Cause it, but well, I'm going to give you a little inside, inside scoop here. Um the Dale Earnhardt Jr. broadcast is is one of the best, and if you watched the Daytona race yesterday, afterwards they had uh, Chocolate Myers one on there, which is really good. Uh, you know, here's here's Junior and Chocolate Myers, both both those guys lost their dads in racing accidents. Incredible if you think about it, and but they still continue and have their love of racing, which I'm sure a sizable of the population would 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 have you know not issues with it, but don't really don't understand that but here here is a situation with andy petrie um so uh, earnhardt, earnhardt and childress and andy petrie they they achieve all this success winning championships and whatnot and the 92 season comes around dale earnhardt finished 12th in in the point standings in 1992 of course we had the three-way battle for the championship with the fords of uh, bill elliott uh, Davy Allison and Alan Kowicki with Alan Kowicki winning the championship in 1992. Kurt Shelberding was released uh, as the chief mechanic or the head, and they brought in Andy Petrie. Andy Petrie walked into Richard Shoulders Racing and goes, where's your setup pad? They're like, what? He goes, you guys don't have a setup pad here. How do we set up the cars here? You guys don't, you know, we don't have one. And that's the first thing Andy Petrie did. So kind of what was happening, and this happens, and you see this in, in racing all the time with teams, there's an ebb and flow. Technology is always continuing moving forward, and sometimes teams fall back, especially in NASCAR. We see this with Roush, Roush Fenway Racing. They fell back. The Wood Brothers have ebb and flowed and gone to the front, gone to the back and whatnot. And the same thing had happened with Richard Children's Racing where they got kind of passed up where the engineering was starting to come in with Alan Kowicki and these guys, and they fell back, and Andy Petrie, smart guy, says, hey, and he was able to bring Richard Childress back to the front by really updating and bringing them back on a technological side 
uh, side of it and bringing him back. So I thought Andy Petrie, he could have said a lot there. Of course, obviously with, with time management and whatnot, but Jeff, uh, that was pretty interesting that, uh, you know, here he, he was, um, you know, just so you know, Andy Petrie had a lot for uh, getting uh, Earnhardt those championships in 93 and 94. Yeah, he did. And uh, a lot of the big question, um, if, you know, Earnhardt didn't go back, uh, a lot of it was based on Ricky Rudd, who yes. uh, was very similar to, to Earnhardt in uh, personality and everything like that. And, uh you know, would Ricky Rudd be known as, you know, would his name carry the legendary status that Dale Sr.'s name carries if Earnhardt didn't go back to children? Uh, another um, thing that they mentioned was timing and how timing of, uh, you know, Shelmerdine leaving and Petrie coming over and um with you know, like you mentioned earlier, with Childress making the the tough decision to to step down and just be an owner instead of a driver, which you know we see this in every single sport. Uh, guys that retire decide to come back. Guys, you know, we lived it with uh, with Brett Favre. You know, I, I I'm going to retire. I want to come back. Uh, drama played out. You know, every year for four or five years. You know, so these guys are at the top of their game. Or, you know, they, they still think that they've got, uh, you know, that they, they've got more to give and can still be successful. Uh, some realize that, yes, this is the best move for me. And like you said, it was probably the, the best move that Richard Childress ever made. Yeah. Uh, are you ready to get blown away? Hit me. Dale Earnhardt would be 70 years old now. 70 what? 70 years old. Wow. Yeah. I know. Yeah, it's not hard me. to believe. Thanks for yeah. making me feel ancient, Steve. <laughs> it's incredible when you think about it. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk with Fast Eddie Lapine from RacingNation.com. Talk some Formula One. And I'm going to blow you guys away with another statistic, but this one in baseball, a Milwaukee-based statistic, when we come back next on the Final Inspection Show. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Make sure you get out there not only this weekend, but next weekend for the Labor Day Weekend Time Machine Nationals 2020. Spectator tickets are $70. That's not for one day, that's for both days, Saturday and Sunday, over 20 hours of racing. You're going to have the front engine nostalgia nitro dragsters will be running. Uh, and don't forget, kids under nine are always free. So it'll be a lot of fun out there. And also get to meet uh, Hall of Fame Hall of Fame driver Arnie the Farmer Bestwick. That's at Great Lakes Dragway next weekend for Labor Day weekend, Time Machine Nationals 2020. And uh, Jeff Orlowski, I have a bit of trivia here uh, from my friend Tom Blattler, one of the best PR guys in racing. I'm going to read this off to you here. Uh, the Yankees, of course, were the first American League team to pass 1 million fans in 1920 and 2 million in attendance in 1946. The Chicago Cubs were the first National League team to pass 1 million in 1927. 
Who was the first National League team to pass two million? Oh, I am going to guess the Dodgers. Wrong. It was the Milwaukee Braves. 2.1 million fans in 1954, their second year here. Wow. I know. That's, that's impressive, wasn't it? Wow, I'm glad I was sitting down. That's, uh, that would have knocked me off my feet there. Yeah, I mean, that's that's when you think about that. To, and and that, that was County Stadium, which uh, back then was actually a little bit smaller. They did not have they, – they expanded the capacity la- later. In fact, I remember my first Brewer game there in the early 70s when I was in the Cub Scout. They were adding one more section on the left field – I think it was the left field side, if I recall. They added one more little section towards the end there to kind of close it in. And uh, if you see uh, photos in the 57 World Series and that, the, the bleachers weren't anywhere built up in, like they were in the final years uh, at County Stadium. So, um, yeah, interesting stuff. The <laughs> the fans came out to see the Braves. And, and you, you can really understand in the 50s uh, the expansion out west. You know, a lot of, there was no – other than uh, St. Louis, there wasn't anybody west of uh, – there wasn't anybody west. So – um, other than St. Louis. So when, when the Braves came and then, uh, of course, the Giants and the Dodgers moved, uh, it was quite impressive, uh, and it was a way to expand their fan base. So can't really fault them for it, though there are some in New York that will never forgive them for that. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline from RacingNation.com, it is Eddie Lapine. Eddie, welcome to the show, sir. Hi, guys. How are you today? Doing pretty good. And... Uh, this is one of my favorite weekends of the year for Formula One because I mean it's my that uh, this one in Monza is my favorite. Of course, that's at Spa Spa Frankerchamps in in, uh, in Belgium, and it is one of the great tracks uh, not only for the drivers but for the fans too to see these cars and and to watch uh, Lewis Hamilton once again. Of course, uh, Mercedes uh, locked out the front row with uh, Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas. Uh, but, uh, I mean, he put on a clinic to, to, to see that car dance around that track wasn't, was, was quite something, wasn't it, Eddie? Uh, I'll tell you, it was unbelievable to see his lap he laid down today. It, it just, I, I think they need to do away with the Friday and Saturday, uh, I mean, Friday practice, because I think they just drive around like on a Sunday drive on Friday because to see him go a second and almost two seconds faster for the pole time was just amazing and set a new record and watching all the other cars struggle as much as they struggled to try to get even close. I mean, his teammate was a half a second slower than him today. So it, he uh, definitely rose, raised the bar up beyond comprehension today. Yeah, and, and then uh, is, uh, as somebody who is not a huge F1 fan, to say the least, uh, and with the dominance of Hamilton and the dominance of Mercedes, give me a reason why this isn't going to be a total snooze fest. Well, honestly, I think it'll be, you know, from third on, second and third on. It, it's going to be exciting for the start, but I totally agree with you, Jeff. I think really. 
quite frankly, the way the F1 season's going, I think if they wanted to save money, they should just give him the trophy this weekend because there's just nothing that, I mean, you look at Ferrari and how bad they're struggling. I mean, Enzo must be rolling in his grave right now thinking about why are they where they're at. And it's not just Ferrari. It's all the Ferrari-powered cars are struggling. And it's a far cry from last year when they were on the pole here. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, I think the other surprise this weekend was the lack of power from Ferrari, uh, not only from uh, Ferrari, but also with, with, with Haas and the Alpha team. Uh, they're certainly struggling right now, aren't they? All, all six cars that are Ferrari-powered are struggling just majorly. And, I mean, you can see the, just the look in their eyes. Mm-hmm. Like, what are we going to do? And, you know, in Formula One, when you get behind the eight ball, I mean, it's not just, you know, because everything's, you know, for the season and homologated into, homologated into the rules and everything. And it's not just the thing where, well, we can go back to the factory and we can build a bigger motor or do something. They are stuck with it. And you see how Mercedes is running. It's just crazy. It really is. I've never seen anything like the dominance. It's like he can turn the wick up at any time. I mean, it's almost like a nitrous bottle when he wants to light it up. And he does. And he drives the car. And it's just the, the grip, the exiting, no working the steering wheel. It's amazing, especially like you were saying in the beginning when you were talking about Spa, it is one of the best drivers tracks in the world. It's the most exciting. Very similar to Road America in a lot of respects. And it's got such good driver corners like with Eau Rouge. So, I mean, it'll be interesting tomorrow. Definitely. But I don't think it's going to be interesting for the first two or three spots. I think beyond because you saw Renault out of nowhere was up there. And Eddie, can you I give think me that's... a couple pros and cons for uh, track limits? <laughs> I think this has become really, I mean, they, they pick out the corners. And like I said, I, I don't, I, I think they should, you utilize the track to the fullest potential. If it takes exiting and and using going beyond the track limits, I don't think people should be. Uh, you know, you you always think about track limits, but you think about the pass in the grass from Dale Earnhardt when he passed in the grass. Mm-hmm. And I think the whole track should be used, utilized, and beyond the track. It's racing. When you start limiting these drivers, it just it adds a, a very bad effect to the whole race because they're, they can't go beyond that point, and then they're penalized. And then you ch- change the whole race, and then you start giving them five-second penalties, and it just changes the whole complexion of the race. And I think it's – I'm not a big fan of it. I, I know they need to have it in certain 
corners, but I, I just don't think it's, you know, I mean, if it's just one of those things that they make these rules at these tracks and you have to abide by them. Yeah, and I thought it was pretty cool that Lewis Hamilton dedicated his pole win, and I'm sure he'll dedicate uh, when he wins tomorrow, uh, to Chadwick Boseman, who the actor who portrayed the Black Panther, who tragically uh, passed away uh, yesterday or earlier this uh, or last night from uh, colon cancer at a far too young age. So uh, that was pretty cool from Lewis, and uh, we wish the best to the uh, Chadwick Boseman family. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk more uh, racing and get our picks in uh, from Gateway Daytona and Spa coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. If you're going to be spending more time at home, you might as well become better friends with your smart speaker. Alexa, make me a sandwich. Okay, you're a sandwich. Smartass. Just say, Alexa, play 105.7 FM, The Fan. 105.7 FM, The Fan from Radio.com. It may be a shorter season, but it's a season, and you can still celebrate with Otto's Wine and Spirits. That is out of the park. With the largest selection of hard-to-find liquors and the finest wines and beer at the lowest prices, Otto's experts make watching the games even from home a winner. Shop safely at their seven convenient employee-owned locations. Otto's Wine and Spirits. Check them out on Facebook or ottoswineandspirits.com. You can't use your timeshare. They're closing the resorts, canceling reservations, and preventing owners from booking new reservations. Meanwhile, you're forced to keep paying maintenance, mortgage, and assessment fees. And forget about even getting there to begin with. Does your timeshare company care? Of course not. They're taking advantage of you. It's not right, and you want out. Whether you bought decades ago or days ago, Timeshare Freedom Group can help. Timeshare Freedom Group's freedom process has helped thousands of people just like you get free from their overpriced, unavailable timeshares. We're the leaders in the industry with decades of experience canceling timeshares worldwide, legally and permanently. And we offer a 100% money-back guarantee. Start the freedom process now by calling Timeshare Freedom Group at 866-900-CANCEL. That's 866-900-CANCEL. 866-900-CANCEL. TimeshareFreedomGroup.com. Timeshare Freedom Group, we set you free. When you have an electrical issue and blow a fuse or short circuit, your thoughts? It's time to tune into the Current Electric Frequency. Some people say they're superheroes at Current Electric because they provide electrical services to the Milwaukee and southeastern Wisconsin area from their super headquarters in Wauwatosa. And with over 35 years of experience, they know how to use the best techniques with the newest technology for commercial and residential properties. Current Electric offers everything that you need, from service panel upgrades to home electrical remodeling or even something as basic as a safety inspection. Current Electric will ensure all of your electrical systems are up to code and fix the ones that are not. Go to callcurrent.com, your best resource when it comes to residential generators or residential solar. Current Electric, the top solar installer in the state of Wisconsin. Current Electric, home of the superheroes. They answer the call. Isn't it time you had a superhero come out? Go to callcurrent.com. It's not our mistakes that define us. It's how we respond to them. When things go wrong, turn to the law firm of Kim and Lavoie. Attorneys Julius Kim and Jonathan Lavoie have been recognized among Wisconsin's best in both drunk driving and criminal defense. Their team can provide the guidance you need to put your mistakes behind you and move forward with your life. 
Kim and Lavoy. Your best defense for drunk driving and criminal defense. Learn more at KimandLavoy.com. Hey, the Big Annabelle Michaels here, and you've heard me talk about my good friends at the Van Horn Automotive Group and how truly unique they are. So here's what that really means. Sure, they have a wide selection of over 3,500 vehicles across 16 locations, but there's so much more. They're the only employee-owned automotive group in the state of Wisconsin, so they have a real personal interest in your satisfaction. You can buy a car 100% online with Van Horn Direct, not just shop a car, but actually buy a car. Save time at the dealership or just skip the dealership altogether. Get your oil for life on any vehicle purchase for as long as you own that vehicle as well. They also have the 90-day test drive program on any new vehicle so you can really experience how the new vehicle fits into your lifestyle. Shop their full selection and research all these programs at VanHornAuto.com. That's VanHornAuto.com. The Van Horn Automotive Group. Family born and employee owned. On the next Bill Michael Show, Rami is back and recap the Brewers and the Pirates from the weekend and even talk about that Bucks series. Maybe that clinching win against the Orlando Magic. Mike Clements is going to have the latest from Packers training camp as well. That's the Bill Michael Show, weekdays 10 to 2, right here on the fan. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove on 105.7 FM, The Fan. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove along with our friends at David Hobbs Honda. Make sure you check out davidhobbs.com for our latest and new and certified used cars at David Hobbs, uh, davidhobbs.com in Glendale, 6100 North Green Bay Avenue. And uh, joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, of course, it is the Polish Pipe Bomb, Jeff Orlowski, and from RacingNation.com, Eddie Lapine. And Eddie, I just wanted to mention this. Uh, uh, to, it's a birthday today. James Hunt would have been uh, 73 years uh, old today. And, and as uh, Matt Bishop, uh, who covers Formula mm-hmm. One in England, uh, uh, he tweeted out, James Hunt was born on this day 73 years ago. Warts and all, there will be another driver like him. Uh, rest in peace. And that certainly is true with James Hunt, isn't it? Oh, yeah. He was he was a character, there's no doubt. Uh, never never be forgotten, that's for sure. And uh, for those uh, who who saw the, uh, Ron, the Ron Howard movie, that 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 kind of chronicles his epic uh, uh, year with Nikki Lauda in 1976. Um, just just a fantastic movie. Uh, what the heck is the name of that movie now? See, I, some of these movies are they're too simple. It's not like Gone with the Wind or something. What's the name Rush. of that movie? Rush. 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 That's right. Yeah, Ooh. Rush. No, it's not a documentary on the, on the band Rush. It's called Rush, the uh, the story of the 1976 Formula One season. And talk about warts and all. There's a couple scenes in there that are that are quite graphic. Uh, that really shows you how racing was back in the back in the mid 70s. Yeah, dangerous. Not like it's now. I think. The pandemic's more dangerous now. <laughs> now we're coming up uh, against time here. We got a few minutes to go here. Let's get our picks here. Uh, Pipe bomb. Who do you like uh, for the NASCAR uh, series at Daytona tonight? Uh, I'm going to take Brad Keselowski, and then as a long shot, give me Ty Dillon. Uh, I'm going to go with Ryan Blaney. I like Ryan Blaney. Uh, my long shot. Uh, I will go with. Uh, um, I'll go with. 
I'll go with Chris Boucher as my long shot. So, and All then right. uh, Eddie, who do you like? Fast. I I I like Denny Hamlin. I, I mean, I'd be shocked that I'm saying that, but uh, I, I think the guys. I think this is his year. Looks like. And who do you, who do you like for a long shot? Golly, I mean, I, I don't. It could be anybody. It's I'll Daytona. give you Matt, Matt De Benedetto. Yeah, yeah, that's a good long. Yeah, that's I like that one. Thanks, Steve. Uh, IndyCar, yeah. Indy, we need two of them at at uh, Gateway, uh, pipe bomb. Yeah, for today, give me Ryan Hunter Ray. For tomorrow, I'll take Sato from the pole. Okay, very good, Eddie. Who do you like? I mean, I think Will Pollard's got to break out of this. It's either uh, he's going to crash or he's going to win. I think like I, the way his year's building up, and 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 I like Pato Award. I, Ooh, I, mean, I, I like that. One of one of one of these. I mean, I think he's he's been knocking on the door all all year, and I think it's going to be his turn, definitely. And then uh, Formula One, uh, we cannot pick a Mercedes team or drive so we can't pick bodas or or uh, hamilton who do you like i've got two picks uh the first one is coffee because i'll need an iv to stay awake <laughs> through that boring uh race and the second one is a history channel because chances are i'll watch that instead. <laughs> hey i'm gonna watch the pickers how's that American Pickers. <laughs> That's not a bad pick. Okay, for that smart Alec remark, uh, I'm going to give you. Uh, he's actually a very good driver, but not in a great car. But they have been improving. Uh, we're 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 going to give uh, the pipe bomb George Russell. All right. And Eddie, I, I, like? I like Verstappen as my pick. I mean, you never know what's going to happen in turn one. Let's put it that way. All right. And who do you like? The old saying that you can't win the race in the first turn yeah. is definitely going to happen tomorrow. Okay. Who's your pick? I missed it. Verstappen. Verstappen. That's my pick. I'm going in, that, Verstappen. That's my pick, too. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, guys. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.